0: The Wallistic Way people go to court in a land claim covering 60% of the province of New Brunswick. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 201. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. The Wallistiqui, formerly known as the Maliseet, were members with the Mi'kmaq and other nations in the Wabanaki Confederacy. They established the Confederacy, in the late 1600s, to stop European incursion on their land in the northeastern part of Turtle Island. Like the Mi'kmaq, the Ibalistiqui did not surrender land to the crown. The Peace and Friendship Treaties, signed by the Mi'kmaq and the Ibalistiqui, did not give up any land whatsoever to the Europeans. But governments in New Brunswick went ahead and gave title of Wallistaque land to private forestry companies, including J.D. Irving and its subsidiaries. Now, the Wallistaque are in court seeking to right this historic wrong. Our guests this week are the lawyers for the Willistiquay on the land claim filed a year ago and amended last week. We're joined by René Peltier and Simon Luc from the law firm Altius Clear Townshend. Uh, welcome to Mom Ma Matters.
1: Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. Hi there. Thanks for having us. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, recent events involving the Wolastique people in uh, what is now Eastern Canada. Traditional territory of the Wolastique extends over what is now known as Quebec, New Brunswick and Maine. And the land claim we're talking about covers, I guess, just over the... Half of the uh, land of the province of New Brunswick, sixty percent of the land, mostly on the west side of the province. And uh, Renee, let's start with you. The claim is based on peace and, f- and friendship treaties, which our listeners will heard will be familiar with in the Mi'kmaq context, especially moderate livelihood fishing. But let's talk about those treaties in the Wolastoqey context. Um, are they the same treaties? Uh, treaty signed specifically with the Wollastiquay? Do they have the same form as the Mi'kmaq treaties?
1: Sure, happy to, happy to start there. Um, so there are a number of peace and friendship treaties, first of all. Um, there was, isn't just one. Uh, some included both Mi'kmaq and Wollastiquay. Some were Mi'kmaq only. Some had only Wollastiquay. Some had different terms. Um, we refer to them collectively as the peace and friendship treaties, plural. Um, and uh, I would say sort of at law that when the courts look at the peace and friendship treaties, um, they've not distinguished between Mi'kmaq rights and holistic rights. You know, the signatories of the peace and friendship treaties all have the same peace and friendship treaty rights. And um, I understand that that on your, your podcast, you talked about moderate livelihood and those kinds of issues with respect to the peace and friendship treaties. Um, Another piece that doesn't get talked about very much is the recognition in the peace and friendship treaties of um, the indigenous nations as nations, right? Their their sovereignty in a lot of ways is is respected and I think implied in a lot of those treaties. I mean, the mere fact of negotiating a nation to nation agreement suggests that the Crown understands that it is negotiating with a sovereign nation. So that's number one. Um, But as the Peace and Friendship Treaties relate to title, now Aboriginal title uh, is is a a different thing than a treaty. It's not a treaty, right? Right? They're two sort of different things at law. But the way that the Aboriginal title case for the Willistiquais relates to the treaties Um, is most importantly, uh, unlike a lot of the written treaties that we see elsewhere in Canada, particularly the numbered treaties that the English versions often purport to cede and surrender land, the Peace and Friendship Treaties do not do that. There's no talk about, you know, giving up any land rights. So that's the first important piece. Um, The second piece is the Peace and Friendship Treaties contained provisions dealing with what steps the Crown had to take if it wanted to um, if, it, if it wanted to uh, sort of not develop, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, populate, Senwang, help me, I'm, I'm forgetting the um, word. Have, have
2: European settlement of?
1: Settlement, yes, right. thank you, thank you. Settlement's the word I'm looking for. Uh, so if, if the British wanted to settle the province, there was a process that was supposed to be followed. Um, and it involved, of course, uh, getting the consent from the nations and paying fair compensation, etc. And, and that was not followed. Um, So there was, there's certainly an acknowledgement that the Willis you know, and the Mi'kmaq signatories, right, in Passamaquoddy would have retained that, that Aboriginal title, frankly, those, those land rights. Um, And then, of course, as we know, that those processes were never, never followed. And, you know, here we are today.
0: Someone, you added JD Irving company, plus some subsidiary logging companies uh, plus some other private companies for logging companies and NB power. So s- some private uh, entities were added to your original claim and tell us why you made that addition.
2: The holistic wanted to be very clear about what lands uh, they were looking to get back. And now that's very clearly set out in the claim. It's, it's I think over, over 600 or 700 pages. And there's a list of parcels of land. Uh, and I think, you know, What's what's kind of unique about New Brunswick, in in a way, in the context of Canada, is that uh, uh, a lot of the province has been privatized. Uh, so, in most other provinces and the territories, uh, most of the land is still what what in Canadian law is called crown land. Uh, you can't see me on the podcast, but I just use uh, uh, air quotes uh, around crown land. Um, yes. And uh, so that, that's, that's really not true in New Brunswick and especially not true in the part of New Brunswick that's Willistiquet territory. Uh, the Crown in New Brunswick has privatized so much of Willistiquet land that uh, um, just going after Crown land uh, would not have yielded very much back of the province. Um, so I, I, I would say, you know, clarity about what what the Quay's intentions are was one reason, and the other is, uh, um, you know, that, that clarity is arises that that problem arises because of the way that uh, quay land has been privatized in in the province of New Brunswick. Hmm.
0: Now, uh, Renee, you probably uh, tuned into the premier's uh, news conference. Uh, following uh, the release of your the amended claim, uh, his news conference with his two ministers, and uh, he went on at some length about um, about the uh, the lack of clarity and the impact on, on ordinary New Brunswickers. He was kind of saying no one is safe from this claim, uh, and uh, I I don't think the um, the reporters, I think, were a bit skeptical because it says in the claim itself that um, that you're not going after, uh, you know, ordinary cabin or strangers to the claim, as uh, you describe them. So, what what did you think of that of his comments? And do you think um, there can be any lack of clarity about the the impact of your claim?
1: Those comments were really disappointing to hear because, um, you know, as Sen Wong mentioned, one of the reasons for the amendments was to give clarity, right? To provide that assurance to, you know, everyday New Brunswickers that that they didn't have to worry about um, the claim impacting their property rights. And as you pointed out, Glenn, it's very clear in the claim. We have two paragraphs, three really, but two that are that are explicitly clear. Make it very clear that uh, no relief is sought against fee simple owners who are not named as defendants. Uh, we're not trying to disturb them, dispossess them, et cetera. So, um, so yeah. I, I mean, to be honest, that I, I did listen to the press conference, and it sounded as though he hadn't read the claim. Um, it was surprising to hear those comments coming from the premier in light of the language in the statement of claim. Uh, so, I, I didn't quite know what to make of it. I think, I think you know, the way Nation didn't either. Um, yeah, it was disappointing.
0: Hmm. Now, someone you you mentioned uh, the the private. Uh, the private operators here and the, the lack of crown land in, uh, in New Brunswick. And um, as, uh, as chief Patricia Bernard has, has, as mentioned in her comments, many of these companies got land for next to nothing uh, given land by the crown, which was not theirs to give. Um, And um, so I suppose uh, what one idea behind the, uh, uh, this claim is to uh, get uh, uh, money from these private entities that they ought to have paid anyway. There's kind of an unjust enrichment. They got this. Uh, they got rich off this land that wasn't there. So now there's some uh, some uh, accounting uh, going on uh, in terms of the,
2: these lands. I mean, a, a couple of things. I would say uh, uh, what. What the claim asks for in terms of compensation is from the crowns only and not from the private landowners. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the, the idea behind that is that it was the crown's responsibility to protect that land and not to give it away without Indigenous permission. And so, you know, if you're a private landowner and you ended up with this land, well, you know, it, it, you, you, you got it you know, maybe for, for below market value. And that's, that's why, you know, Canadian law may not protect you, uh, in, in holding, you know, what is property taken from the Wallistic way without, without, uh, without, without legal right. Right. So, uh, so they, you know, but, but, uh, in terms of compensation, the way aren't seeking compensation from the private, uh, uh, landowners. Uh, but I, I, I do want to go back to that point about you know uh, indigenous lands and, and the protection by the crown because that's one of the bedrock principles of Canadian law. Uh, it goes uh, at least as far back as the Royal Proclamation of 1763 and, and, and even further back than that, uh, because uh, indigenous lands aren't supposed to be privatized without indigenous consent it's right there in the proclamation. It says that uh, the Crown isn't supposed to be issuing patents to these lands and, and selling them to people and giving them people uh, without uh, there being permission given by the indigenous, indigenous nation whose lands those are. That's one of the bedrock principles of Canadian law. Um, and that that's really you know, the legal principle that that's at the heart of this, of this lawsuit is that uh, you you don't give away Walusdicway lands without Walusdic permission to do so,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that that never happened, right? As going back to your first question, you know what about the peace and friendship treaties? They didn't deal with land, so that that process of seeking permission did not happen, and all really, you know, all that all that uh, it boils down to in terms of the court cases. Having the having having the judge affirm that that's that that's that's true in history.
0: Mm. Now, one of the other uh, issues here, uh, perhaps not talked about as much um, in the media coverage of the land claim, is the are the environmental sustainability issues here. And as uh, Chief Bernard mentioned, she she is concerned about uh, you know forestry practices. What's happening to the to this land when they're uh, being occupied by these private companies? What are the environmental standards or lack thereof? And um, and preserving lands uh, for the seven generations. As as she said, there isn't a lot of land in New Brunswick for for ceremony, uh, for for indigenous cultural use. And, um, and we have all this other land, um, 20% of the land of New Brunswick is, uh, uh, is in the hands of these, uh, of, of these private companies. So uh, I guess the idea would be that uh, if the, uh, one of the things the claim would accomplish would be to give some indigenous involvement in the in land management of these, uh, of these lands
1: that's exactly right Glenn and that was a you know a big reason for the Chiefs wanting to pursue this land claim is you know what Canadian law tells us is that um, an Aboriginal title declaration in Canadian law uh, with that comes a number of rights and one of them is the right to make decisions about the land that you have title to and so that's exactly right getting Aboriginal title to Willisque territory would allow the Willisque nation to um, to, to get involved in environmental decision making, uh, take steps to protect the environment, to protect their territory. And now that doesn't mean that development can't proceed, that industry can't go on, um, but that that will mean that you know agreements will need to be reached, and 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 things would happen in presumably a more environmentally sustainable way. I mean that's the objective of the Walus Nation for sure. Hmm.
0: Um, Sam Wong, I, I suppose we would expect on the normal course that there would be some uh, negotiation with the with the Crowns uh, on this uh, claim. Now that it's filed, we you, you don't expect these things to be in court uh, next month or even next year. And, you know, there will be a, a sort of sit down uh, negotiation type activity. And so I wonder how you see the matter advancing from here and what? Uh, and, whether you think there's any realistic uh, hope of progress with this government. I mean, uh, Premier Higgs is, uh, shall we say, not Indigenous friendly, particularly. Uh, so I don't know if you'll be dealing with uh, friendly people on the other side if you do sit down. So what What? how do
2: you think things will unfold? I think I go back to what uh, Chief Bernard said uh, a few days ago that that uh, um, that, that the way have been willing to sit down and, and talk with the province for a long time, but uh, negotiations have to be about more than just the way sitting down and, and uh, being told what to do, um, and being told that you know this is this is how it's going to be. Um, and I think it, it 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 it's a relationship that that takes uh uh it takes two two to sit two to tango. It takes both sides uh, being willing. To um, you know, acknowledge the the, the interests and needs of the other side um, as legitimate uh, uh, before you can have good faith negotiations. Um, so um, I, I, I think um, you know that that that's kind of what I go back to when when I think about uh, the possibility of negotiations. Um, but you know, at, at at the same time, I I I'm, I can assure you that. Uh, you know, as the legal team, we're going to be uh, working hard to prepare the claim for court.
0: Mm. And would you have had any meetings with provincial officials uh, thus far? Is it, I'm not sure how the process works or, but would you have had a, you know, a briefing with them to explain, you know, the issues before the claim was filed or has there been any communication to this point?
1: With the lawyers, yes, absolutely. Um, in advance of filing the new claim, we've actually been in discussions with both um, legal counsel for the province and uh, with for Canada about the changes that that we were intending to make. So those are discussions that had um, been ongoing. Uh, they weren't necessarily discussions of a settlement nature, though. Um, right. So those kinds of talks haven't happened.
0: Right. That, that was kind of a, a technical briefing about the the elements of your claim. So, I mean, I guess that makes the premier's comments interesting because uh, there could be no doubt uh, about any lack of clarity that you wanted to repossess the homes of uh, individual New Brunswickers. So it puts yeah, those comments. In a, yes. puts <laughs> those comments in a particular context. And um, so someone what would be the, the next milestone then? How, how do how will things unfold, do you think?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see the defense uh, statements of defense coming from uh, the crowns uh, um, soon. Um, and, you know, the, there has been a, a typical way that crowns have defended these claims in the past um, by, you know, de- denying everything about history, denying that there ever was a treaty, denying that uh, your people exist, denying that, uh, you had anything to do with the land um, and you know i i, I hope that it, it, it's going to be 2022 soon and uh hopefully you know uh, supposedly we're in in the era of reconciliation so hopefully we crowns have moved beyond doing that um so i i we'll we'll see we'll see what happens uh but uh that that's that's the next thing that i i would be looking ahead to Right. And I suppose your witnesses, you'll have um,
0: one of the issues here is that when uh, witnesses are put on the stand in these things, um, they're treated as um, uh, suspects in a criminal cross-examination. So has, that, has the treatment of um, witnesses in these matters improved or is it still that aggressive uh, cross-examination type style of examining?
1: in my experience there's been some improvement um particularly with elders um so i will say that i haven't i have seen some change on the part of the crown in, in terms of um just being more respectful um i myself just completed an aboriginal title trial in ontario last year and uh and yeah, it was pretty cutthroat when it came to experts, because um, of course an Aboriginal title trial ends up being a lot of expert witnesses testifying and writing big expert reports, um, and so gloves were off for those uh, types of witnesses for sure. Um, but I, I have seen uh, I, I have seen a more respectful approach to the cross examination of elders. I'm sure that that's not always the case. Maybe I've I've been lucky in the trials that I've been a part of. Um, so I, I would hope to see that here as well in the event we we get to trial here in uh, in New Brunswick, but. Um, yeah, that, that's been my experience.
0: Well, good. Well, then maybe that's a, a positive note uh, on which to, to end our conversation. And, of course, uh, maybe time is on your side. Uh, governments uh, aren't in power forever and premiers come and go. And who knows, maybe by the time you get to, uh, to court, uh, things will have changed on the political side in New Brunswick. So uh, we, just, um, we just leave that there. So, someone, Brene, thank you very much. And um, we'll be watching. Renee Peltier and Semwang Look, lawyers for the Wallace de and their land claim against in Brunswick. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, MC Nogama.